Greetings, pod pickers. You've tuned your dial to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. And do we have a show for you? Not off. You might think that everything that is possible to say about offices has been spoken on previous EGLSMs. But in the immortal words of Bachman Turner Overdrive, you ain't seen nothing yet. Not with deputy editor Tim Burke and roving reporter Alex Daniel here alongside me. You're ready, quite literally, to rock. How are you both this week? I'm doing really well and I love that intro. I was thinking as soon as you mentioned Backman Turner Overdrive of um what was that? That wasn't the fast show, that was Harry Enfield, right? <laughs> it was, it was. That's what love I'm it. channeling. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I just thought you know, I I thought I never wanted to be a DJ. I never grew up wanting to be a DJ. First day of journalism college, it was uh do you want to be print or do you want to be audiovisual? Firmly print all the way. But the more I do of these I kind of think, you know, it might have been quite fun. I, old, I, almost, feel radio ahead of you. <laughs> I almost feel that like we, we should be sort of sprinkling a few classic tracks into these episodes. And, you know, we sort of finish chatting about hybrid offices and and then turn to the, the mellow tones of the Commodores or something. I'm all for that. You know that. Well, uh, just in case there are rights issues, if you're listening at home, just just um, just press pause <laughs> and uh, stick the, the Lighthouse family on, on Spotify or... <laughs> or, or the Wu Tang Clan, maybe, maybe that might be a better option, eh, Tim? Or a mashup of the two. <laughs> Enough about that. This week, uh, with with you two fine gentlemen, uh, we are indeed talking offices, uh, and uh, there's 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 a major development at Canary Wharf, Alex, this week. Uh, it's seeing its future in flex, perhaps belatedly. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, Canary Wharf Group, uh, obviously. Let's just caveat this with the fact that WeWork has been around for, what, 12 years? And then, I mean, IWG, Mark Dixon's IWG has been around for many, many more um, before that. Canary Wharf has decided to do flexible offices. And the year is 2022. We are (laughs) post-pandemic. It feels a a little bit late, but, you know, there's no such thing as too little too late. I think um, if it's Mm. the right thing, then uh, it it can't come soon enough. and uh, yeah, they've launched this product. It's called Made For. It's their in-house version of WeWork. It's not going to be sort of hot desking um, hybrid offices like you kind of think of, uh, you know, sort of shared um, single seater sort of uh, people people signing in from uh, in whatever town like you do get with some WeWorks these days. It's far more sort of managed offices. It's kind of operational real estate. They'll do their kind of they'll do the fit out for you. They'll give you a shorter lease term. It's kind of a two year term or something like that. Um, and um, you can kind of scale up, scale down each year, that sort of thing. It's just a bit more flexible than the classic um, Canary Wharf sort of 200,000 square foot HQ site for a kind of 20 year lease that, you know, traditionally um, some of its bigger sort of big name occupiers would have signed for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we did a piece on this uh, this week in the magazine. We interviewed um, uh, Canary Wolf's head of strategy um, and he, he was interesting on it. I mean, he he basically said this is Canary Wharf sort of responding to the changing nature of the office world and it is very much a response it's not particularly proactive for Mm. Canary Wharf to be launching a flexible office brand now. Um, I think in your piece you mentioned that the the, the figures the the, the harsh realities that they used to I think it's 120,000 office workers and current currently the the tube stations processing about 70,000. 
the tube station is, uh, according to TFL figures, this is for the first week of February, so it's probably mm. ticked up a little bit. Um, but the tube station is getting about 70,000 taps on a good day, on a good weekday at the moment. Mm. Um, maybe, as I say, maybe a little bit more than that. That's taps in and out, though. So halve it for yeah, people yeah. coming, mm. for, for individual people. Uh, not all of them will be office workers. So it does give you, it, obviously, that's not a perfect picture. There are other ways of getting to Canary Wharf, but um, that does kind of paint a picture of, uh, the kind of the scale and the relative scale compared to pre-pandemic still that uh, Canary Wharf is sort of grappling with. It's certainly not a kind of dead district, I think, as a lot of people have sort of painted it during the pandemic. Um, it does face sort of a unique set of challenges. It's out of town. It's at the moment quite hard to get to still, although Crossrail will change that hopefully soon enough. Um, it does have better amenity than sort of the perception of Canary Wharf, the traditional perception of Canary Wharf as being this kind of corporate dominated area. It does have quite a lot of retail. It's got the massive shopping centre. It's got lots of restaurants. Um, obviously, this stuff has struggled in the pandemic, but it will come back. It's working hard to become a mixed use destination. Obviously, it's not to everyone's tastes. It is still quite corporate. It's quite grey. It's towers, it's offices, it's where you go to work. But they're trying to turn it into somewhere that people will go on the weekend as well. And actually, just I'm, I'm banging on about it now, but um, <laughs> the one interesting thing about those TFL stats, which I don't think made it into the piece, but are bare saying as well for Canary Wharf, are that they're well down. The number of taps are well down on pre-pandemic levels um, for weekdays. For weekends, I was looking at the first week of March 2020, um, which was kind of normal levels of transport mm. still. Um, it's only about kind of 5% down now on what it was back then in terms of people going in on Saturdays and Sundays, which suggests that a higher proportion of people are going in for retail mm -hmm. um, or, you know, whatever other amenities are there. You can go sailing at Canary Wharf and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that would point to uh, a kind of growing popularity in the sort of more diverse version of Canary Wharf that they want to promote. Is it, do you think it's, I mean, it's late, but is it a case of being better late than never? You've got that nice comment from Chris Grigg, who, who used to be the chief exec at British Land, talking about when they launched Story in the piece and saying, you need to show with a move like that, that you're willing to change, that you're that you're going to try to adapt the business model. And I, I know we could argue that Canary Wharf could have done this a year ago, 18 months ago, two years ago, even longer than that. But do you think it'll still be welcome that at least they're, at least they're making that effort to to shore up demand and, and pivot the business a little bit. Definitely, definitely. I spoke to, I mean, everyone, I spoke to quite a lot of people in the industry actually um, putting this piece together. And as you say, Chris Grigg, probably one of the more senior ones, um, but everyone was positive about it. It is a case of better late than ever. It's better that they did this now than never tried to launch a flexible office product. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just it does show that Canary Wharf is not just this kind of monolithic, huge developer that is stuck in its ways. It does show that it's willing to move with the times. And I think that's very important. OK, so moving away from Canary Wharf and indeed the entire city of London, um, there's been <laughs> big news about offices in the regions from uh, our very busy reporter, Evelina, who is uh, otherwise occupied today. So, Tim, you're, you're filling in for us. So what's the story? So, yeah, Evelina reported in uh, in this week's magazine on uh, some new numbers that have come out from JLL. So JLL put together a, a, a very well-known report on um, what they call the big six. So that's that's the big six 
regional office markets outside of London. You've got Birmingham, Bristol, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Leeds, Manchester. And they were taking a look back at what take up had been like across those those cities in 2021. And it was Look, we're not we're not back to we're not completely back to normal yet, but those markets have all recovered from from the lows of the pandemic. And so, across the cities, you've got you had take up of um, of roughly four million square feet over the course of the year, and that's still down on the ten year average, but it's back up on on the lows of the pandemic. So there's there's a feeling I think that. Companies that had maybe pressed pause on on plans to relocate, plans to to rethink their real estate portfolios over the course of the last couple of years, are finally getting their act together and 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 making moves. Um, really buoyant market in Manchester, which had the the highest level of take up. But when you look at some of the biggest deals, some properly interesting properly interesting leasing events right across those those cities. So as I say, not not really, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. I don't think in terms of the effect that the last couple of years have had on on the office markets. But I think there's plenty there for certainly for agents in those cities to to feel optimistic about and and no doubt to hope that that, that it'll continue over the course of this year. And you know, particularly as now we sort of emerge from the last lingering vestiges of, of lockdown living or, or restrictions, I'm sure you uh, and Alex and Evelina will be will be keeping a close eye on on how that affects things. Yeah, there's 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 definitely there's definitely a lot of hope out there that that we've now seen the worst. So I I also had a chat this week with um with James Evans who Savills has just named its its new head of national office agency so he's um he was formerly well he still is running the Manchester office but he's now he's now taking on that that national role as well and it, he was he was saying sort of a message for, along the lines of of what i just outlined that it, it feels like there was a long period in which companies were going to kick the the office relocation plan um kick the can down the road somewhat finally it feels like a lot of them are realizing we've got to do this if we're if we're going to if we're going to take new space and we want it to be absolutely the best space we can because we need to we need to use it to attract talent and we want people that are happy to come into the office to feel like they're coming into the best office they can we've got to start snapping up that space you know a lot's been written about um about a lack of supply coming through so i think that push to make sure you get the best offices is is going to be front of mind for a lot of um for a lot of corporate occupiers and and certainly i imagine you know james evans and the team at uh, savills are going to be geared up to try to make sure they can win as much of that work as possible and there we go as promised uh, you've both found new things to say about offices or at least new ways of saying things that have been previously said about offices. Uh, so well done to you both. Um, should we have a quiz? I'd love to. I'd love to? Right. Okay. Okay. And we're going to go straight in with uh, the the new uh, quiz round introduced by the, the peerless Piers Wainer. Uh, as I ask you, how well do you know each other's bits? So you're doing this in reverse? Uh, I'm, I'm going to just throw the format out. Okay. I always, you know, don't right. want people to... To, to, to be able to predict what's going to happen, like to keep you off your guard. So first question on each other's bits. Can I just uh, say this is incredibly unfair. Tim edits my work. I don't edit Tim's work. He doesn't even read my work. <laughs> I do sometimes. Uh, OK, so to balance that unfairness, Alex, do you want to go first or second? 
I'll go second, please. You go second. Okay, so Tim. Mm. Alex began his piece. AstraZeneca boosts King's Cross with HQ expansion with a fine turn of phrase in the intro. What was it? Um, crikey, I really, I really can't remember. And this was, this is one of our, um, this is one of our best read stories over the last week. So I should, I should really know. Can you give me a clue? Give me a clue and I'll see what I can. I mean, I don't know what bigger clue we could give really. I mean, uh, Alex, can you think of a clue that would help Tim? Can you actually, can you remember what you wrote yourself? Something to do with jabs. Is it? <laughs> Alex can't even remember himself. Is it? Oh, I see. Okay, all right. I got to get. Okay, okay. It's, so it's a pun. Wait there. I, okay, I can do this. It, has it given? Has it given the office market a a a boost, a booster, something no, like that? I can't give you, Alex. Alex, can I get you, half a point? Can I get half a point for knowing for knowing your own for, bits? Uh, know my own bits. I know my bits. So, um, uh, shop in the arm. I believe it is. Oh, that's so good. AstraZeneca has Darn. given King's Cross a shot in the arm. You see, Alex, he doesn't edit your pieces at all. You thought he, you thought he did. But no, it's <laughs> I really didn't. Just, I really didn't just, edit that piece. So. He lets them sail on through. Okay, Alex. Uh, Tim on Thursday uh, wrote about Lloyd's planning significant cuts to office space, but by what percentage is the banking chain planning to slash its office footprint according to its annual report? Um, is it a third? Ooh, that's not it's, that's not a percentage. Uh, can can okay. you? Well, um, you're very close. Thirty thirty-three percent. Uh, well, uh, for, I'll give you a half mark. It is I, I think that's a half mark. I think that's yeah, half. I'd say that's that's very, very close. So well done. Uh, OK, Tim, the missing words round of the quiz. Headline is high tech hub is not just a Cornish blank. What's the blank? High tech hub is not just a Cornish blank. Um, wasn't it pastiche? It is. High Tech Hub is not just a Cornish pastiche. How proud uh, was of that was Sam McClary? Very proud. And I was very happy as a, as a proud Cornishman myself to have um, I, the whole piece just just made my heart sing. But the headline <laughs> especially gave me a chuckle. I believe Sam, I believe EG editor in chief Sam McClary, just to give some insights to, to listeners, immediately messaged the team group chat when she came up with that headline saying, sorry. Clearly <laughs> boasting about it. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, a humble brag uh, from humble. Sam. Uh, well done, great work. Uh, I, uh, to be honest, I think she was doing it with the EGLSM missing words round solely in mind. So uh, hats <laughs> off to her for for doing that. Uh, okay, Alex, you um, what are you? You're one and a half points. You're one point to half a point behind, but you've got a question in hand. Try and keep some semblance of order. Very confusing. Yes, your headline is labs. How can we make them blank? Labs. How can we make them blank? Okay. Uh, I I just don't know what it is. It, it work. Uh, no, it is not. Tim, would you have known the answer to this one? I'm slightly distracted. Can everyone hear my cat repeatedly meowing after coming in and demanding <laughs> food? I really hope that's not on the recording. Um, I hope it is, but I, I haven't heard it on my headphones, unfortunately. Labs. How can we make them? greener that's correct this is the story about genetically modifying the color of labrador's fur of course not <laughs> uh, this is this is uh, another cracker from evelina tim tell us more um this is this is a really interesting piece on a report that um the team at hok the architecture firm has put out looking at 
how you can design labs which which use huge amounts of energy and um, and tend to have, by the way that they're structured, huge amounts of embodied carbon. How you can get a design process in place that reduces reduces their footprint by it's something like seventy five percent, I think, which is which is hugely ambitious. But the guys at HOK reckon that can be done with the right approach to design if you start working on it working on it early enough in the process. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, now, Tim, uh, if you get this right, you've pretty much guaranteed victory. So are you ready? Alex played Jimmy Olsen for me this week, uh, hitting the streets of London, snapping photos. But what travesty did he capture for me in his fo- phone lens uh, on the diary page this week? Um, it was, and, and this truly is horrific, what has happened to the landmark HMV store on um on Oxford Street, which is now what's it called? An American candy it store is, instead. It is. Uh, Truly revolting. I mean, Alex, tell us what it's like in person. I mean, it's it's pretty on the nose. I mean, it's his his master's American candy, I believe. The the, uh, the sign <laughs> reads now with uh, American candy plastered over the voice bit of yeah. uh, lovely HMV. Yeah. But um, you know, all good things come to an end. Yeah, HMV literally silenced with a giant gobstopper in its mouth. And uh, yeah, his master's American candy. Tragic, tragic, tragic. That makes Something me so sad. As a, as a Cornish lad, whenever I visited London, I would obsessively go to every one of those CD shops all, all, all the way up, like Virgin Absolutely. Megastore, yeah. Tower, HMV, and now to see to see what that, that building is today. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. What's a CD, Tim? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I could see in his face. <laughs> okay, so shop. <laughs> I'm sure. I bet Alex is. I bet Alex is into vinyl. Like he looks like he's into vinyl. I I can't afford vinyl, but I have lots of CDs. <laughs> I I do have lots of CDs from from my teenage years as well. Okay, I didn't good. miss that era. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question, Alex, uh, for Pride. Uh, what you and I discovery garnered plenty of excitement this week? It is a huge Roman mosaic, um, which um, is very exciting. Although I imagine the people at um, Landsec, which now owns you and I, um, and indeed the team at you and I who were developing the site were not best pleased to find it because it's probably quite inconvenient for them. Yes. But I think, yeah, I think they've made lemonade out of lemons exactly exactly they've got lots of good press out of it i think it's going to go in a museum um i read extensively about this mosaic um well it's the I, largest... I learned this week that you're you, you're something of a specialist in this, in this i wouldn't field. say specialist i was a reluctant <laughs> classicist at university i i don't know why i did classics for my undergraduate degree but i did it's um, so it's 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 so hard to resist that inexorable push to study classics that, that well exactly everyone study, at school to study it's always the way language. isn't it pretty much everyone is funneled into the studying of classics there's well, you never have any choice in the matter well, to study a dead language, to, to to learn about wars that have absolutely no relevance. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of classicists learning, getting very annoyed. But I, my experience of it was just that um, I'd much rather have been doing um, something else. But the largest expanse of Roman mosaic in London for more than 50 years. Yes. It's very exciting and it does look pretty cool. Um, and apparently a pattern that is unique to London. I, I didn't know that. Ah, that was in yeah, that was in the press release. So, yeah. But anyway, 
Uh, excellent performance, both. Uh, I'd make that two points to one and a half points. And, but maybe Alex deserves an extra half point for a bit of specialist colour. So we'll, we'll call it a draw. I like it when it's a draw. Just feel, it just feels nice. <laughs> I like it okay. when I don't lose because it's quite rare on these quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so before we leave, uh, we, Tim, uh, when you're on, I do like to ask you, uh, what's your recommendation for our listeners to, to throw on the turntable or, or, or the CD player or the, the streaming the service CD of player. their choice? You asked me for something mellow. Out. Chill out you asked me for some, yeah happened. something mellow for a Sunday, so I'm not yeah. going. I'm not going to go with one of my usual hip hop picks. I've been on um, I've been on a James Taylor kick recently. The mm-hmm. the 70s singer songwriter, uh, you got a friend, Fire and Rain, all that great stuff. I am going to go with James Taylor's 1997 album Hourglass, which is absolutely beautiful and music music to soothe the soul on a Sunday. Fantastic. And it couldn't be a better pick because our hourglass has run out. Uh, The episode is done for another week. We'll see you uh, next time. Uh, Until then, you have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning.